Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back to the Define University podcast. I am so excited to get this episode out to you guys because if you if you know me at all, and if you don't, by the end of this episode, you'll know a little bit more about me. But if you know me at all, you know that I, I love the power of language. To me, the power of the words that we choose to use every single day is where our impact comes from. And it's actually part of what I consider to be the equation for connection. So for me, connection comes from mindset, plus the language we use, plus the actions we take. And that equals connection. Connection with who? That's easy. Connection with ourselves, connection with our students, connection with other adults, other educators, you name it. Paraprofessionals, related service providers, administration, you name it. Connection is huge. Connection is the foundation to those relationships. And we know with stronger relationships comes more effective behavior change. Well, that's critical and that's crucial. And the piece I want to reiterate that I kind of quickly went over is notice what I mentioned first. First was connection with yourself, connection within me, connection with who I am. Because at the end of the day, and we've heard this before, but I'm going to keep sharing it out. The only thing I can control is me. I am always 100% me with any situations that I go forward with. And so when I look at that, Very quickly, I see a lot of educators forget who they are or they lose sight of who they are. They want to be the best educator. They want to make the the biggest impact with their students. They want to leave their legacy. And I love that. I love it so much. I created a course called Ignite Your Legacy. But at the end of the day, and one of the biggest points that I teach in in that course, in that mastermind, is in order to leave your legacy, you have to connect with who you are as an educator and stop living the life of an educator through someone else's lens, through someone else's story. Because your power, your superpower as an educator comes from your story. It comes from how you interact with students. It's how you connect the relationships you form. You see that you see the common word here in you, right? And so it's so crucial because in order to have those academic gains, those social gains, those emotional gains, any type of gains or progress we're looking for, it comes down to the relationship that we have with the student. And the relationship with the student starts with the relationship we have with ourselves. Because here's the thing, if I'm interacting with a student and I wanna be 100% me, that's still only 50% of the equation. I can't be 100%. I can't live their life for them. And I think, again, I lived this for years. I took on the pain of so many of my students. I remember I would go home crying after listening to the stories that these students would tell me, what their home environment looked like, what they, how they didn't have dinner the night before, how they you know, just got yelled at for, for hours. And I just remember thinking, why? Why, why is this happening? What can I do? I would take on their pain, but by doing that, I let my life go. I I let my life go to the point that I didn't know who I was anymore because I was living their life for them. 
I'm hoping that makes sense. And it really, until I wrap my head around, the only thing I have solid control over is me. It made, it actually made things easier because I'm still a very empathic person. I am still going to take on those emotions, but I can recognize that those emotions are not my own. Those emotions are what feed me to show up every day and inspire and give hope, which is the number one thing our kids need. They need that hope and trust in who we are as educators that we're going to keep showing up even when the times are tough. And so with that, I'm going to dive into five of my favorite phrases that I use with training, with coaching, with just sharing my heart and soul. And the first one I'm going to start with is motivate over manipulate. I told you guys, I love language. So here's an example. And I love when, when you can have that short, simple phrase, and it just has that powerful impact. So at the end of the day, I do not want to manipulate anybody because that means they're doing something because I simply told them to. I want instead, I want kids, I want staff, I want anyone I interact with to do things for them because it, it works for them. It feels good for them. It's inspiring to them. And so how do I do that? I motivate and I motivate through modeling. So here's another M word, right? So I'm going to model everything that I know. And I'm my, my goal is that they're going to see a change in me, which is then going to motivate them to have a drive in themselves. We all will do, if we have if we have any sense of kind of a relationship, we will do things in the short term, absolutely, right? As a teacher, ideally I do. I want to tell my students, take out your math notebooks and turn to page 44. And within that instructional control, which is just a fancy word for trust, that I'm gonna trust all my students will do that. And 80 to 90% of your students might. But what about that student, that, that 10% or that one student that doesn't? You're going to try to manipulate them in doing it. I've seen it happen. And it, sure, you might have a short-term a short-term win, if you call it. But at the end of the day, I'm more about long-term progress and long-term excitement about learning than I am in a short-term win. Because I know if I'm in it to win it, I've already lost. So instead, I want to encourage you to motivate. Motivate them through their interests, through their strengths. When we find what a student is interested in or what they have a strength for, we find a solution. When I focus on what they have a deficit in, it's gonna to lead to resentment. It's gonna to lead to resentment as a teacher to say, why can't you just do what I'm asking? And it's gonna to lead to resentment on the student to say, why can't you just understand where I'm coming from? And guys, nothing good comes from resentment. And so instead, motivate. Motivate by modeling and see the power that you have in impacting your students and impacting your staff when you show the, the beauty behind motivation over manipulation. The second phrase I use is get fascinated instead of frustrated. And here's why. When I get frustrated, I link that to angry. When I get angry or mad, I shut down. That's just my personal reaction. I feel tense, I feel tight, I shut down. But instead, when I get fascinated, I get curious. I wonder, I question. And I've learned that why is not a bad word. I grew up thinking that why was a bad word. I grew up thinking that you can't question adults or we can't question other people. We can't question what I've been told. And yet now I've learned that my strength in asking why doesn't have to come from a negative viewpoint. 
It can come from a lens of, I want to know why so I can understand it more. Because when I understand it more, I can implement it with fidelity. I can implement it with consistency. I love when teachers come to me with a plan in place and say, why, why are we doing this? Can you tell me what the point is? Absolutely I can. Because here's the key, if I can't tell them the point to a plan, we shouldn't have it anyway. And it's the same with our students. If they ask us, why am I learning this? And our response is, New York State says we need to, I need to teach it. We've lost them. We need to come up with a hook. We need to come up with a way to really sell that lesson to them, to increase their interest in what that lesson is going to teach them, because it's going to show them how by getting fascinated over this lesson, over frustrated that they have to do it, is where the powerhouse is, is where that progress is going to come from. So get fascinated. Ask yourself, why is this happening? Why do I do this this way? Why does, the, why does it have to be this way? Could it be some way different? There's so many questions we can ask. And when we take the time to truly reflect and truly ask ourselves, why do I do it this way? We then can find that oftentimes we're over, we're making things way more complex than they need to be. So instead, let's simplify. Let's allow this to be a time to do less things better, to get fascinated over doing things in a more efficient way to reflect on why I do things and is it really getting me the end result that I'm looking for or is there something simpler that I can do that's going to allow me to do it in a more engaging, more fun, more just abundant type of way. That to me is the, is the crux of getting fascinated instead of frustrated. And this works for challenging behavior. If I get frustrated, I stop looking for solutions. I, I basically do what the kid is doing, I shut down. I say, well, I tried and I walk away and I don't put more, I don't put effort into it. And yet that student deserves my effort. That student needs my effort. And so I'm going to find a way to get fascinated. I'm gonna keep showing up. I'm going to keep asking the questions, doing the detective work. Maybe that means calling home. Maybe that means doing a home visit. Maybe that means going to last year's teacher. Maybe that means just doing some observation and watching where does the kid go? What does the kid do? What are they interested in? What type of shoes are they wearing? Where are they going after school? All of these questions can let me get to that fascination about the student so I can find something to connect with that student on. Because that connection, as we talked about, that's your foundation to that relationship. And until I have a relationship, I don't have that trust. I haven't provided that hope. And so all of this comes together beautifully like a puzzle, this interlocking puzzle. But if I'm missing a piece, the puzzle isn't complete. And so I might be able to think of a puzzle you might do at home. If you're missing a piece, sure, you can still get the general sense of what the picture is, but doesn't it bug you? Doesn't it bug you when you work so hard on like a 500 piece puzzle and you can't find that last piece? It bugs you. And it's the same here with our students. When that one piece is missing, trust, hope, love, comfort, whatever it might be, we don't feel whole as an educator because we feel like the piece is missing. Well, imagine that's me living through the lens of the educator. Put your, put your, you know, your shoes, uh, I can't think of the phrase, but put yourself in the shoes of the student. There it is. They feel lost too. So when we can find that missing piece together through that relationship, through that connection, that's where the magic happens. The third thing I want to, I want to share with you today is get clear instead of clever. So this is a newer phrase to me, but it made complete sense. It was one of those light bulb moments. I, I often try and get clever, not in trying to trick kids, but I want things to sound 
I don't know, smarter, right? I want things to sound just more impactful. But what I've learned is when I do that, I actually lose, I lose kids. I lose people because they may not understand it through the lens that I'm sharing it. So an example of this is I was teaching in a fifth grade self-contained classroom and I was giving directions for what I thought was going to be a really cool activity. We were working on helping the kids disagree with, with tact, ultimately disagreeing with expected language. And so I was giving directions and I realized that after I gave a direction, the teacher kept simplifying it. She kept taking what I had said in two or three sentences and she chunked it down ultimately to two or three words. And at the end of the lesson, I went to her and we were talking and she was giving me feedback and I was asking questions. And the biggest thing she said is, it sounded like you were talking to them as if they were staff. And I said, oh my goodness, you are absolutely right. I was trying to be clever. I was trying to use words that were way beyond what these kids could understand, not because I was trying to intentionally confuse them, but I forgot who my audience was. I'm so used to training staff and talking to adults that I forgot the audience is key. I have to make sure my message is clear for the audience that I'm speaking to. And this is really important for those of us that are in classrooms today. We have to know who our audience is to know how to make sure our message is clear. We're not looking to be clever. We're not looking to be using language that just doesn't make sense. So let's make sure we're clear instead of clever and then our message gets delivered to everyone. Included in this is not leaving room for interpretation. If I have an expectation, I want to provide that expectation. If I leave room and a student can say, well, what does that mean? That's where we get in the gray area. And that, linking back to the second one, that's often where our frustration comes from. Kids are awesome at finding loopholes. Let's face it, they really are. They're great detectives. They're great people to figure out where can I get away with what? So don't leave room for interpretation. Get clear instead of clever. The next thing I wanna chat about is influencing the energy of the room instead of being influenced by it. So I think this is crucial, especially if you work in classrooms with significant, unsafe, challenging behavior. Um, if we fall, if, if I try and if I'm in that power struggle, if I'm in it to win it, we know we've already lost. So if I'm influenced by the energy of my students, if I take personally what they are doing, if I get offended by the offensive language, if I feel disrespected because of their quote unquote disrespect, then I'm being influenced by the energy. I am not influencing it. When I can show up and, and be personal with kids and not take things personally, when I can show up and hear offensive language and not get offended, when I can show up to motivate over manipulate the situation, that's when I get to influence the energy. I get to influence it by the power of the ripple effect, by modeling what it is that I want to see happen. When they see it, they are more likely to do it. And so that ripple effect is I'm going to live into who I'm meant to be as an educator every single day so that I can share my heart and my soul with those that I'm interacting with, whether that be a student, whether that be a teacher, whether that be administration. I am constantly, anytime I enter a door, I use what's called a door trigger. 
So try this out. It's super simple. Anytime you walk through a door, have a go-to phrase that you share with yourself and reminding yourself what it is your purpose is going into that room. I didn't make this up. I actually got this from Brendan Bouchard in his book, um, Powerful Performance Habits or something like that. Can't think of the name off the top of my head, but I will, I will put it in the show notes. But again, it's so for me, when I walk through a door, it's I am the most positive, brightest light coming in to shine my knowledge with who needs to hear it today. And I know that might sound a little out there for some of you, but remember my role is I go across 10 schools, K through 12. I am the one person in my district with my role. And so for me, yes, I'm a behavior specialist, but again, behavior starts with relationships. It starts with connections. So if I go into a room telling teachers what to do, guess what? I'm out of their room quicker than I could be put in. They don't want me there. And I get that. It's their room. I am entering their room. And so for me, I want to influence the energy. I want to be positive. I want to share the light on what behavior is. That behavior is a solution. It's not a problem. That behavior is purposeful. That behavior is meaningful. And when I can work with a team to connect on that and I can share my energy and they can then look at behavior in the same light, that is the ripple effect in, in, in effect and in, in that's the ripple effect influencing so then they can continue and go to influence. It's our people are not dependent on me. I want people to own who they are and continue to share out the message. The last one is connection over correction. So for me, and this is really a big one that we have been we've been talking about all morning, all morning here on this podcast is connection, right? Connection has to come first. If I am constantly correcting a student, I am not building a connection with them. One thing I love to use with this is being an ace at interactions. So A stands for acknowledgement, acknowledging the student by their first name. C stands for compliment first. Give them some type of genuine compliment about something about who they are, what they're doing, what they're wearing, something. And E stands for eye contact and proximity, making sure your full attention is on them, making sure that as you're talking with them, you're not also looking at another student across the classroom or you're not looking at the front board, or you're not looking at your laptop, you're not looking at your phone, you are, your, your attention, your eye contact is on them. Connection over correction every single time. So those are my top five. I've got one bonus for you, and that is apologize over agonize. Guys, hold a conversation, not a grudge. As, as educators sometimes, and I think just in, as humans in general, we get frustrated, right? We get frustrated, over-fascinated. It happens. We're humans. That's where the power of reflection is so huge. But instead of agonizing over something that happened, apologize. Apologize for the part of it that you were involved in because, yes, we are a part of every situation we are involved in. I own all of what I brought to the situation. And I will be the first to admit there are times I handle situations in ways that afterwards, I'm like, why did I do that? What was I thinking? And sometimes it happens at work. More than not, it happens here at home with my own five-year-old. And I go to her and I say, I'm sorry. Those are two of the most powerful words we can use with kids today because they don't often hear it. Yes, as an adult, I am sorry for what I did. I recognize now that that was not the best decision I could have made. I was speaking out of frustration, not out of trust or hope or any of the things that, that I stand for. And I am so sorry for that. Here is what I'm going to be doing differently moving forward. I didn't agonize over it. I didn't, I didn't go down that hole of why did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. Get out of Shouldville, right? I held a conversation, not a grudge. And it's the same thing if it's 
coming from somebody else too. Apologize and start the conversation. And if you aren't sure what you're apologizing for, keep it global. I'm so sorry that something happened that left you feeling that upset or that angry. Is there anything I can do to help you know you talk this out or help you through this? When we say I'm sorry, we open up the door. Remember, we're modeling. We're modeling for our students to then know that it's okay, it's more than okay to apologize too. When I agonize and I keep those thoughts in my head, remember, I'm not connecting with everyone. Think back to mindset plus language plus action. Lang thoughts are language in our head, right? We have, we have that inner language, the thoughts, and we have verbal language, what actually comes out of our mouths. Well, if I'm keeping those thoughts and I'm agonizing over them, I'm not using language to connect. I'm not connecting with myself. I'm not connecting with the student or staff, whoever I might be involved with. So I cannot stress it enough. Apologize over agonize and have that conversation. It might be tough, but guess what? We grow from tough. We grow from being in, in that land of discomfort. That's where we have to start. And if you're afraid of fear or you have this fear, here's what I say. I say, buckle up, put fear next to you. Fear is your buddy. Fear is always going to be there, especially when you're trying something new. Because if you're trying something new, it means you haven't done it before, which means those thoughts are what if, what if I can't do it? What if I mess up? What if I fail? Sure, that fear, you can say, buckle up fear, let's do this. Because those what ifs could also be, what if, the, what if this is the best decision I've ever made? What if this is the opportunity I've been waiting for? What if this is what I'm truly meant to do and share with the world? I could just as easily find just as many, if not more positive what ifs to the negative ones. And that's where, again, I choose to put my energy every single day. So fear is your best friend. Fear is your sidekick. And trust, if you're thinking about a car, trust are the headlights. Trusts are always leading you down the path that you are meant to be on as an educator, as a friend, as a family member, and most importantly, as a person. Because remember the mission and motto of Define You. As educators, we no longer have to define ourselves by the role that we serve within the classroom because being an educator is everywhere. I'm an educator no matter where I am because I'm 100% me. So I get to define myself from within, not by the roles that I serve. I am no longer limiting myself to fitting myself into this mold. Instead, I'm breaking out of the mold and I'm saying, this is me. This is the educator I am. This is the mom. This is the wife. This is the human being that I am, that I get to live into every single day. And that is what I want to share with you today. I want to encourage you to define who you are outside of the roles of education, because that absolutely is a part of you. It's a huge part of you, but it's not the only part of you. And I want to encourage you to use these training tips, to use these to understand who you are and bring who you are, that connection within, that connection for who you are, to then connect with everyone in the world, build those relationships, and secure that trust and hope with the students that we work with. All right, everyone, that is a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are looking to find me, let's connect. If we haven't connected yet outside of this podcast, I would so love to connect with you. I have a Facebook group. All you've got to do is search Define University in Facebook and come join us. Instagram is my most favorite platform, so you can find me there at, at lindsay.titus828. I've also recently started getting on Twitter a little bit more, so you can find me there at, at L Titus 828. 
And as always, if you love this episode, if you love this podcast, I want to hear it. I want to hear from you. So leave that review, leave a comment. I would love for you to subscribe. And I would love, love, absolutely love if you would share it out with your friends. Let's get more people into this Define You empire and truly start this momentum, this absolute change of defining who we are as educators from within. Because I guarantee you, once we do that, that that momentum is just going to build and it's going to it's going to be it's going to be monumental in the world around us. I can feel it. I hope you can feel it too. Thank you so much for tuning in and as always, we will talk soon.